Welcome to Seek Justice, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the nuances of criminal justice. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Today, as we had scheduled on the program, we are going to be talking about the criminal justice reform policies put forth by presidential candidate Joe Biden. And Joe is a much trickier candidate to evaluate in this in this aspect because he has a long history of messing with the mm, criminal justice system. Uh, most notably, I think, probably is the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994, yeah. which he wrote and then got passed, uh, signed into law by Bill Clinton, which caused a lot of our current problems. And so because... Because of the current political climate, he's obliged now, if he wants to try to be president, to walk all of that back, whether or not he has actually changed his mind on things. So uh, do you remember what was what the debate was around that at the time yeah. and, uh, and after it got passed, yeah. what the consequences were? Well, so, you know, this is what happens when you've got a record that goes back some 30 years, um, unlike most of the other candidates except for... Uh, Elizabeth Warren, who never did uh, anything like this, or Bernie Sanders, who ever did anything like this. But back in 1994, when that act was being debated, it did have support of the uh, Black uh, Caucus in the Congress uh, in its original form. But because the negotiations went back and forth, back and forth, it ended up becoming uh, quite onerous. Three structure out legislation um, absolutely created the rampant escalation of uh, the size of America's prison populations and the federal population. And just very tough on crime. And, you know, on the one hand, it's good to see that he is now saying, and he's been clear on this, that you can find the notes where he was in South Carolina, that he said it was a mistake. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think that's a, a, a positive thing. But at the same time, you've got a lot of candidates out there who haven't made such mistakes, who rallied against these types of things forever. And so you're looking at, at a, at, I think, a, a kind of a damaged candidate uh, in Joe Biden when it comes to this justice reform. Mm -hmm. You have to have some respect for people that are willing to say that they made a mistake because Lord knows President Trump would never admit to having ever made a mistake. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. uh, – but on the other hand, you are still guilty of what you have apologized for, but still – well, and it's it's not like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of lives that have been affected. People have died because of right. this. You know, I mean, it's it's like, well, you know, forgive me for, you know, if someone would say, forgive me for supporting, you know, the Vietnam War. It's, well, right. okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of water gone under that bridge, you know. Um, but to, to his credit, you know, I think he's, he's, he's on the right track here. It's similar to to Bernie's plan and that we've reviewed uh, already and in some way that it, it promises a lot of stuff and is pretty adamant about what it will do mm -hmm. um, without giving a lot of detail and not particularly uh, tackling how it's going to be done. Um, unlike Bernie's original version, which I think has improved some and more like Elizabeth Warren's, it's got some citations to it. I've looked at some of those. They track back to various reports and whatnot. And so it's uh, got some evidence uh, basis uh, to it, but a lot of that uh, evidence doesn't point to exactly what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. Like both of the other two candidates we reviewed, he's going to throw an awful lot of money at mm -hmm. it, and uh, 
uh, with his other promises that he's made around improvement in health care and improvement in education, which doesn't go nearly as far as some of the other candidates, is still very expensive. And so as we jump into it, we can kind of keep those things in mind. It's good to see candidates looking more at preventative, stopping the root cause of, of, of crime to lower crime rather than uh, just being punitive, punitive. Like his, I think he's got something in here about um, uh, pre-K education, providing, providing yeah. that to everybody and, and stuff like that. And his is the only one we've seen that has a, uh, a YouTube video at the top for people that only want to listen to 90 seconds of his. Uh, yeah, yeah, I listen to it. It's it's not it's not particularly impressive. <laughs> no, I, I think he filmed it in Detroit. It seems kind of slapped together, frankly. Um, and he's kind of got this Bernie-esque voice over. There is a little Bernie. You know, he's giving a speech, obviously. So he's, he's, he's espousing anger. And it's like, Joe, who are you mad at? Right. You're mad at yourself for doing all this. Mad at stuff. 1990s Joe, yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, let's jump in here. He starts as others do with you know opening statements, which hard to find fault in, and talks about the overincarceration of persons of color, et cetera, and uh, people being uh, detained and locked up because of their poverty. Um, and he says, um, to principles. He's got several core principles. No one should be incarcerated for drug use alone. Instead, they should be diverted to drug courts and treatment, reducing. The number of incarcerated individuals will reduce federal spending on incarceration. And I'm not, huh. uh, I, this is an important uh, word here. Federal. Um, and yeah, and he, it, it kind of sticks out because he's not talking about, he didn't say no one should be incarcerated in the federal system for drug use alone, or instead they should be diverted to federal drug court and federal treatment here. He he's, seems to be parsing this to, to focus on federal spending. We'll see. How, how that you know plays out, and then he wants to reinvest that savings in communities. Well, if if that's his beginning point, this is very first principle. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing: you, you, you're not going to save any money anytime soon by changing policies. Right. The size of the federal system and the size of the state systems are written into stone for a while, and until we go through an entire several years of massive reforms would you see reduced spending because most spending as we've talked about in the podcast is rooted in the cost of prisons and the cost of correctional officers and staff you're not going to change that um so if he's going to wait for those savings that's going to happen long after he's uh after his first term and you're talking about a guy how old is joe uh 76 or you know it's like man you're going to be somewhere in your 80s in your second term and I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's just my my first cut on that. Um, he says uh, our justice system can't be just unless we root out the racial, gender, and income disparities of the system. All right. You're right. Yeah. Very value laden here. Black mothers and fathers should feel confident their children are safe walking the streets, and you know, women and children are uniquely impacted in the system. Okay, the system impacts them, and these are values. So it's like, so what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. He wants to be focused on redemption and rehabilitation, um, and nobody should be profiteering off our justice system. Okay, so those are good values, and then he gets into, into the depth of it. Here's a smart thing he does. He uh, latches on to Congressman Bobby Scott's Safe Justice Act, mm-hmm. and Bobby Scott has been a hero of this work for a very long time, and this Safe Justice Act is something that has been put together with some realistic expectations of what can happen in the House and then what can happen in the Senate. 
uh, not so realistic about its, uh, you know, its 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 value to be passed by the Senate. If it had been, it would have been there by now, and it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. Safe being an acronym for for safe. You got acronyms where the first word is is the first letter stands for the the name of the acronym is kind of trouble, but uh, safe, accountable, fair, <laughs> effective Justice Act. So yeah. that will be linked in the yeah. show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he wants to take bold action to reduce our prison population and create a more just society and make our community safer by, you know, big stuff, preventing crime and providing opportunities for all, eliminating racial disparities, eliminating them and ensuring fair sentences, offering second chances, reducing violence in communities. OK, that's a bunch of big promises. He's not couching his terms. Mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth Warren's were more realistic in terms of what she wants to fight for, what she wants to push for. Right. Where here he's just making these bold statements, and frankly, I don't believe he's going to get these things done. Right. He can try, he can work at it, but his language is like, you know, tone it down, man. So, um, preventing crime and providing opportunities. Um, he's got some facts, links to those facts. Uh, girls in the justice system with physical or sexual abuse, as high as 80 or 90 percent, an excellent uh, point to begin with. The school-to-prison pipeline where one out of every four kids in foster care will interact with the justice system. Good, mm-hmm. good stuff. Right. Linking it to lower uh, literacy levels, very good. And too many people with mental health or substance abuse disorders end up incarcerated. And they want to. Uh, he wants to address these underlying factors and... He gets into more research, the costs, the true cost, emotional and financial on families. This is good good research he does here, so I like yep, this. Yep. And, then, and then he starts right out with a, the very first thing. He's gonna create a $20 billion competitive grant program to spur states to shift from incarceration and prevention. Uh, so good that he acknowledges that it's gotta happen at the state and the local level. And how the, and, and how the federal government can uh, you know, put their crowbar into moving the, the heavy rocks of the states. But yes. Yep. Yep. And another smart thing he does here that he links to a proposal by another group that's got good credibility that isn't responsible for the 1994 act, the uh, Brennan Center, uh, which is a very good uh, think tank on these things. And he connects to that. And so um, although I also I also read that uh, competitive grant programs was also how he got these they, uh, how he got the states to build more prisons back in the 90s. Like he ins- oh, sure. incentivized them to. Well, it, but that, yeah, that's the, he's that is the, the the tool, the crowbar, like I just said, of, of how you can uh, move policy in the states at, from the federal. So. Well, and it's it's it is a it is it, it is a good proposal. I, I'd like to see how they're going to how they're going to fund it, how they're going to pay for it. And also, what are the parameters of it? I mean, you've got currently uh, federal competitive programs funded through the Second Chance Act. That are uh, not twenty billion dollars by any stretch of the imagination, but you know several hundred million dollars anyway. Mm-hmm. And I don't uh, think they've been particularly effective at shifting things, you know. Um, and there's research uh, that that shows that. I mean, it, it interesting. It's 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 one thing to create an opportunity to plan how to get these things done, and then as we've discussed endlessly, another matter altogether to implement effective uh, policies that are actually going to change the nature of the system and uh, sustain those changes. And so a lot of details need to come up here. I haven't fully reviewed the Brennan Center proposal, so I can get into that a little bit at another time. Okay. Um, 
And then, as you mentioned, I mean, he links to some other stuff in, in, in his educational, uh, his uh, called plan for educators, students and our future and um, makes the point, which is a good one, that if you improve education, you should improve longer term outcomes in the justice system. That's true. Um, right. He wants to make pre-K but, available to every three and four year old, every three and four year old. Which, and that's smart yeah, for sure, you know. Um, but uh, so how long is it going to be before we see those results? And how long does the federal government, the state government have to sustain that? They're three years old now. 15 years. Then when they're 18. Keep them out of right. 15. And then after that, in their 20s. I mean, it's long term stuff, which you have to support. You want to criticize it. Exactly. But at the same time, he's talking about investing the savings. And right. frankly, that's. That's not that's not a very accurate way to think about it. He's going to spend a pile of more money while he's already spending money. And that's realistic. Uh, but he doesn't say that. And it's kind of a kind of a hoodwink. Frankly. Because that, that's a hard truth um, that, that voters don't want to hear that they don't want to hear. You're going to spend more money and then maybe we'll you know, and then we'll we'll see the the improvement in 20 years. Uh, yeah. I mean, how would it read if he said, look, I'm going to tax you more and you're going to pay a lot more in taxes. And as a result of that, we're going to just continue for the most part, the system, the way that it is, we'll try to make some inroads, but you're going to be spending a lot of money on that system, which will continue. Then you're going to spend even more money on this, and we're going to hope it works, right. even though research shows that most implementation efforts don't stick. I don't think somebody's going to put that in their campaign. <laughs> and then by 2040, um, uh, there's going to be lower crime. Yeah. Yeah, when he's like 115 years old. Um, so anyway... Um, he then, uh, as all of the candidates we've looked at so far, I wouldn't be surprised if every single candidate uh, does this to expand funding for mental health and substance use disorder, uh, both services and, and, and research. And he wants to expand health uh, insurance coverage, and so that uh, helps with that. Um, and he wants to double the number of psychologists, guidance counselors, nurses, et cetera, in the schools so kids get what they need. Um, Again, that's not a federal thing. stuff, but I'm not... Yeah, and I'm not quite sure about the the, the long term link of that. I, I think would be clear. The short term link on that, not so much. Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't really in this bullet here doesn't really talk about specifically how that's going to affect the justice system. Doesn't talk about what he's going to do in the prisons. Doesn't talk about what he's going to do in jail. Doesn't you know mention as as he should and as we do. The fact that you've got uh, better mental health systems inside county level, parish level jails than you do in the in the community. So judges are will tell you that they're sentencing people into uh, jails for treatment huh. that they otherwise won't get. Now that can what he's talking about here can can get at that, but you're talking about passing health care reform that's going to take years, and in the meantime, what do you do? You know, um, so good, good, but again. I'm not quite sure the connection or how it's going to happen. Um, <clears throat> get people who should be supported with social services instead of in our prisons connected to the help they need. A very grammatically clumsy sentence uh, <laughs> to begin with. Um, and good, you know, and, and, and smart. Um, and he's got a, a lot of, of statement here that's true about the, the challenge here. And um, he doesn't say how he's going to do it. He wants to change the nature of the interactions. The Biden administration will fund initiatives to partner mental health and substance use uh, disorder experts, social worker and disability advocates with police departments. All right. Well, that's a good start, but that's not 
uh, where it's, it's just doesn't stop there. <laughs> it's every point of the justice system. It's jails, it's pretrial detention. It's particularly meaningful for courts right. to have access to these types of programs. And then in the jails and in the prisons post-release and whatnot. And so, uh, you know, this suffers. Uh, this particular bullet suffers from a lack of specificity. And then he just leaves it. Um, you know, and it seems oriented almost completely uh, to to working with the police, which is which is short sighted. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Next whole section about eliminating racial disparities, <clears throat> not reducing them, but eliminating them. <clears throat> yeah, again, that's 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 extreme verbiage that uh, Bernie used, as opposed to Warren's more. Uh, you know, we're going to reduce this by 20 percent or whatever. It's fight, fight to get it right. done. And, and, you know, and so he starts out with something he does have some authority over, which is expanding the use and the power of the uh, Department of Justice to address systemic misconduct in police departments and prosecutors offices, which is true. And he can do that um, to try to restore trust between uh, police and uh, communities um, and he goes into uh, quite a bit of uh, information about just that. Um, and the heading here is re eliminating racial disparities and ensuring fair sentences. So simply, it's a big deal, but simply looking at uh, systemic misconduct and police departments and prosecutors, I've done get you there. It's a good start. If it's comprehensive, it's going to take more at each step of the justice system. It's not particularly comprehensive. Yeah. Now, he goes on. I mean, it's not the limit of it, but it, it, the first thing that comes to mind is it's not comprehensive. He wants to establish an independent task force on prosecutorial discretion um, and says that they'll make recommendations, and then so what? So, okay. Uh, and then what? Are you going to fight in Congress? You going to? Uh, what are you going to do, Joe? Yeah. He wants to uh, invest in public defender's offices, um, and makes smart statements there about that people have to have quality of representation and there's a wage disparity. Um, he wants a to expand the, the prosecutors and defenders. Yeah. Where? Or, or, yeah, our law firm and being a public uh, defender. Okay. Now, you, you, <laughs> you can wager, you know, something about that. You can, you can work at that, but you're not going to end that disparity. Sure. It, it's, it's too great. Um, and he wants to expand resources. He links back to Obama Biden effort. Uh, we'd have to take a he, look at he that, does that and, and see. He does that in several places. Uh, and I think it's good psychology on his part to drop in the, the term Obama Biden uh, administration whenever he can, because anytime yeah. he can put a name that has a positive connotation next to his is, uh, is clever. Yeah. It's funny he doesn't do that about immigration and deportation, uh, for example, right? I mean, this is the thing that, that he was attacked on during his uh, during the last debate uh, when he was kind of distancing himself from that and said, well, he was only vice president. And I think it was Castro who came back and said, yeah, well, when it, when it suits you, right. you know, and you can't you can't blame him. But, you know, sure. so anyway, he, he, here's here's something a little bit more realistic and it kind of stands out because it's worded it's parsed particularly uh, interestingly he wants to eliminate mandatory minimums but then he says he supports an end to it and as president he'll work for the passage of legislation to repeal them at the federal level and he'll give states incentives to repeal their mandatory minimums i guess that goes back to the 20 billion dollar fund he has but here he's careful is that interesting uh, how a little it, bit more careful. how interesting how it sort of slides down the spectrum from Bernie to Warren, where he's like, we're going to eliminate this. 
and then we're but really we're just going to support it and then we're going to try and work to pass it and maybe it'll get done like it, and we'll give some states the the, uh, the confidence level just sort of droops in that uh, in that whole paragraph yeah uh ending uh federal uh, the disparity between federal crack at the federal level between crack and powder uh, cocaine uh punishments uh good i heard that that's goes back to what he i heard that that's a like 100 to 1 is the is the ratio there like you you get the same sentence for 1 gram of crack as you do for 100 grams of of cocaine that's pretty i think uh, originally as you know the mark Maurer at the sentencing project did a lot of work nationally mm-hmm. uh to minimize reduce that already and that's why he says here and once and for all, uh, right. the work that Sensing Project did didn't totally eliminate the disparity, but it moved in that direction. And then he proposed stuff in 2007. All right, it was proposed. So why did it get through? Why did it pass? And if it didn't pass then, why is it going to pass now? Um, you know, it, what did you do with that when you were vice president in the the uh, Obama-Biden administration? I mean, you know, you got a guy with a record like this, and he leaves himself open to all sorts of these kinds of issues. Now, um, he wants to decriminalize the use of cannabis and automatically expunge all prior cannabis use convictions. Well, he doesn't say anything here. Uh, he, he starts off by saying no one should be in jail because of cannabis use, um, and he wants to decriminalize it. Um, he'll support the use of legalization for medical purposes, but then leave the rest up to the states. See, So here he is really— He backs off that bullet point uh, really quickly. He backs way up. Well, he wants to decriminalize the use. He doesn't want to legalize it. It's very different. You know, uh, it's 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 one thing to say it's legal and anybody can can have it, uh-huh. and it's another thing to say, well, uh, if you have it, we're not going to send you to jail for it. It's just a big distinction there. And this is raised by okay. you can you can find some uh, some articles about this how it, it parses this uh, down to much much different than Biden and, and Evans. Okay, I'm, I'll I'll, I'll find some article about uh, legalization versus decriminalization and put it in the show notes at seekjustice.fm/022. Uh, wants to end all incarceration for drug use, all of it, and instead divert individuals to drug courts and treatment. Um, so Isn't that like a superset of the previous bullet point. Yeah, he's he's what he's a little redundant here, but here Biden will require federal courts to divert these individuals to drug courts, and then he'll incentivize states, um, and he'll expand uh, federal funding. Well, so a couple of things here, and there's no— Again, this is all stuff you have to get through Congress, right? Through the Republican Congress. Got to get it through Congress. Unless the Senate changes, it's going to be a Republican Senate. Um, at the state level, it's even worse, uh, tougher. Right. Um, and the fact of the matter is there's no, no, no citations here at all. And here's the thing about these diversion programs is that they're not necessarily being used for people who otherwise would go to prison or jail. They're used for people who probably wouldn't have gone in the first place. It's a rampant criticism uh. of the so-called diversion programs. And, and I think we've talked about this before in other podcasts, as we will again. But it's, it's you know, you, you put out this language that, you know, too many people are going to prison for drugs, et cetera. Then you put up a opportunity and the judge says, all right, well, you, you're here for the first time or the second time uh, in front of me. And so I'm going to divert you and put you in this program. Well, does the number of people going to prison go down? Does the incarceration rate decrease? These are simple tests to see whether or not they're actually diverting people. In most cases, they're not. Not to argue that they're that they're not positive for people. They are not to argue that if you get at these issues a little earlier, 
in their drug use career that you can change the uh, trajectory of their future mm-hmm. imprisonment. But if that's what you're doing, then say right. it. Don't say that you're ending incarceration and then you put forth a standard that says this is for first time nonviolent offenders, which is often the case, nonviolent offenders or, or early, early in their uh, uh, criminal activity. Um, so this doesn't change. Uh, this doesn't meet the, the smell test uh, to me. Not a, not a terrible thing, but just doesn't really, it's not particularly realistic. Um, <clears throat> wants to expand uh, other effective alternatives to detention. He's linking to some alternative detention courts, veteran courts, youthful offender courts, and the same criticism I levied a moment ago, I would levy here as well. Wants to eliminate the death penalty. Um, now here he parses his words, Biden will work to pass legislation to eliminate the death penalty at the federal level and incentivize states to follow the federal government's example. So if he doesn't get it done at the federal level, does that mean he's not going to have an example to use at the state level? You know, I, I just I just don't see how this is going to happen. Um, right. And incentiv- incentivizing, I don't know. That's got to be an awful lot of money. Use the president's clemency power to secure the release of individuals facing unduly long sentences. Um, then he talks about Obama, that, um, he used clemency more than any of the 10 prior presidents and continue that tradition. All right, well, so I don't know how many that is. We could take a look at those numbers, um, but you're not going to eliminate mass incarceration through clemency. Mm-hmm. Um, then he goes into a series of things that end the criminalization of poverty uh, and cash bail. Which is a thing we've seen from the other He will lead a national effort. Yeah, they, they talk about this, not this way. He'll lead a national effort. Um, and how does he do that? Where does that take place? Where is that more incentivization? Is that more dangling money? I mean, how far does 20 billion go when it comes to all of these incentives? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's good what he writes here about the facts. I mean, again, this is every candidate's Mm -hmm. done this. They've got it down as to what the problems are. Which is what we've been Um, saying for, for months now of, we don't need more research. We know what the problems are. We need action, but yeah. So here for stopping uh, jailing people for being too poor, he uses grant-making power of the federal government to incentivize the end of policies that incarcerate people for failing to pay fines and fees. Uh, um, all right, well, we'll see what that does in a handful of states that successfully compete. Com- uh, compete. Mm-hmm. And then in the ones that get the funding, the ones that do it in a sustainable way, uh, it's, I'm not quite sure that that's the way that that happens. Um, he doesn't talk about, he talks about states, he doesn't talk about governors, he doesn't talk about state legislators, state, uh, uh, you know, uh, efforts are very, very difficult uh, to, to control at the federal level. Um, he wants to end the federal, or at the federal level, uh, profiteering off incarceration and put the so-called Obama-Biden administration's uh, policy to end the use of private prisons at the federal level, rescinded by the Trump administration. Um, and um, it wants to, you know, in, include diversion programs, commercial bail, electronic monitoring, et cetera. And it'll support the passage of legislation to crack down on the practice of private companies charging incarcerated individuals. Well, at least he's realistic here that he wants to support it. He's looking for somebody else to lead it apparently, otherwise he'd just say it. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how, how that's going to happen. Um, I'm glad that he's got it in here, but again, sure. um, where's the detail? 
um, <clears throat> provide the unique needs of incarcerated women, um, receipt of federal criminal justice grants and adequate provision of primary care uh, for women, including the care for pregnant women. That's good. That's smart. He's got a, a way to get it done. It, it will likely uh, create some change. Um, I don't know how far and how deep because he's not particularly clear. Time will tell, I suppose. Right. Um, so next, once ensure humane prison conditions, he will call for an overhaul of inhumane prison practices. He'll end solitary confinement, except very limited exceptions. Interesting. And he'll require states to fix environmental health problems in prisons. Um, that require uh, those things taken together. Those things taken together will not ensure humane prison conditions. It will improve the humaneness of prison conditions in some places. That's what it'll do. So it's just it's 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 overpromising and a bit unrealistic. No citations here. Yeah, because to to ensure um, you'd have you'd have to have inspectors and then you know consequences for not uh, following the the rules and things like that. So, well, and and how does he expect the states to pay for improving? Uh, inhumane conditions, which in many cases are driven by very poor uh, facility conditions in the first place. There are prisons in this country that were built, you know, around the Civil right. War, and they're still in use, you know, and they don't have enough space for programming, and they've got antiquated policies and procedures, and they uh, over uh, they overuse, you know, solitary confinement and more isolated uh, punitive measures in the prison system. So it's much deeper than what 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 he, sure. you know, writes here. Um, and then he ends the entire section on the adult system by smartly encouraging states to collect sufficient data. Um, and here, you know, look at the word. He wants to encourage states. Okay, well, it's good, more realistic. And then he's got some uh, data, some citations about uh, what states are doing or not doing. Um, and he says simply, the administration will encourage states to add information regarding ethnicity to their criminal justice data collection. That's it. Only uh, only ethnicity. You know right. what? I guess I don't know. It it just seems like on the one hand he manages to overpromise, uh, but in the same he paragraph <laughs> that underpromises. So it's it's a little confusing to me. I think that this is a man uh, who doesn't quite know uh, what uh, he believes on this stuff and how it's particularly different from what uh, he used to believe. I think uh, more than, uh, for whatever reason, more than some of the other candidates, he's he's just a pure, plain, simple politician. Um, yeah, he's just taking stabs in the, in, in the dark here, sort yeah, of. Yeah. I don't know. Then he gets into a whole uh, range of issues on the juvenile justice system, um, and he wants to develop and implement policies, uh, interesting wording here, whoever wrote this, in this space. <laughs> in the juvenile justice uh -huh. space, uh, based upon input from children and young adults who interacted with the system as children. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, it's a good source of input. I think probably need more input than that, so I'm not quite sure. It doesn't seem to be worded uh, quite right. Uh, he wants to invest a billion per year in juvenile justice reform. It, it makes me wonder, that $20 billion he was talking about there, that's not in a apparently not on an annual basis is it over the term of his presidency or what ah, but here point. it's a billion a billion a year he wants to provide children with better legal representation um and states that take funds will have to fulfill 
uh, requirements about expungement and sealing records of juveniles. Um, you know, he talks about what Congress has already done that costs us $176 million a year uh, originally, uh, but appropriated only $60 million, and he wants to up that to a billion. Well, I'd like to get a deeper dive into what all that money has done uh, to exactly. date. Um, you and know, why, and then and again, is going to do more. Yeah, it's it's the federal government's got limited capabilities, but um, we've got some history here. We could figure out whether or not the stuff works mm -hmm. very well. Um, he can cut the population of incarcerated youth by supporting community-based alternatives to incarceration, like mentorship, counseling, and jobs. This doesn't mean ankle bracelets. It means in-person support for our kids. He's got a new grant program to encourage states to place nonviolent nonviolent youth in community-based alternatives. All right, well, if you're only going to place nonviolent youth in these places, you're already uh, not going to get right. there. A lot of these kids are there because of they've done a violent act. Right. Um, and he's already he's already written them off as, to, as unhelpable. It's it, it's it, he goes from stopping the incarceration of kids to oh I mean just nonviolent, right. and, and and then listen to this he wants to repurpose empty prisons for the community's benefits so they cannot be used in the future for detention. A hundred million dollar pilot program to change the use of empty prisons. So how many empty prisons to do we have? Repurpose. Uh, we got yeah. a lot of them. We got okay. a lot of them. In, in Michigan alone, we've got over over okay. 20 because we closed 20, and we tried to repurpose them. We couldn't repurpose them. Nobody's particularly interested. It's really hard to repurpose a prison. There's limited use of what you're going to do with a bunch of double cells, you know, and it's really expensive to do that. I think we sold one small prison facility to a local sheriff for a buck, and I think that they ended up turning that into a detention facility, very limited purposes. And I had an idea that we uh, uh, played around with and never did in the Granholm administration here in Michigan to um, have a national contest with architectural schools ah. to see what they could do to kind of get at this. Cool and idea. he's got a link here on this, on this repurposing, so I could dig in a little bit deeper on that and see how he wants to do it. It seems a bit out of uh, place uh, here. I, I, I don't know, $100 million is an awful lot of money to change facilities. Um, wants to expand funding for after-school programs, et cetera. Um, in, in, increase the federal investment for those um, and wants to end the use of detention uh, for as a punishment for certain uh, status offenses like uh, truancy, alcohol use, and curfew. Um, okay. See how he's going to do that. Uh, Biden will add to juvenile justice grant programs a requirement that states eliminate detention as punishment for status offenses. So you don't, you don't get the federal, certain kinds of federal money uh, unless you do it. So what federal money does he want to attack? How does he want to attach it? Is it enough to, to make it happen? How are states going to do it? Is, is he want to pay for some of that with a billion dollars a year? I mean, it's, it's vague. Uh, it's, it's, it's a smart thing, but we're not just looking at smart values here. We're looking at, you know, are they clear about how they're going to do it? He wants to double the number of health professionals in schools to help he doesn't say he wants to reduce the school-to-prison pipeline. He says he wants to end it. And how's he going to do that? He wants to provide guidance to help schools address the high number of suspensions and expulsions. Well, that can reduce it. Not a bad thing, but it isn't going to end it. So once again, it's this thing about the the opening says they're going to end it, and then you read the paragraph. says, oh, well, you're not really going to end it. Yeah, he, he does this, he does this quite a bit of... 
uh, he look he comes off really strong if you only read the bold bullet points. And it's just like, well, I'm gonna try to do that, you know. Say okay. And then he, he he redundantly goes back to expungement and sealing of juvenile records. Then he moves. Um, he went from adult system to the juvenile system, and now he's going to second chances, which uh, we'll see here whether it's for both adults and juveniles. Um, Biden believes in redemption. They should have the opportunity to fully integrate into society, earn a good living. Okay. That's also our best strategy, reduced recidivism. Um, set a national goal of ensuring 100% of formerly incarcerated individuals have housing upon reentry. 100%. Again, goal means it's something to shoot for. But, like, obviously, we want, if you're in favor of having housing upon reentry, obviously 100% is your ultimate goal. But a more realistic goal of saying 60 or 80 or something like that, not, not to once you get there say, okay, we're done with this problem. But to well, and then at the end of the at the end of the section, he'll start by directing the Department of Housing and Urban Development to only contract with entities that are open to housing individuals looking for a second chance. Well, that that's a good start, and I don't know what it'll do. Um, you know, they can be open to it without necessarily doing it very much. I mean, why don't we get at some numbers here? But the number of the housing opportunities that he'll open up is nowhere near the number of housing opportunities that are needed. Um, and he wants to expand funding for transitional housing, which has been cut. So there's a couple things he'll start. All right, so why don't you add another sentence in there about how you're gonna finish it? And, and this is the juxtaposition that we haven't seen in the other two candidates. Bernie overpromised and never backed off and never gave hardly any details, except for some executive orders about how he would do things. Warren parsed her stuff very carefully. I think it was a bit better written of the mm -hmm. three in terms of what she can do and what she can't do. But Biden here is setting the bar high and then immediately setting it low. Right. And he's done that here. Um, he gets back into expanding uh, health care, <coughs> substance abuse treatment, um, and repeats some of the other stuff. Uh, it is redundant. He wants to eliminate barriers um, for folks returning uh, from prison, he'll direct his cabinet to pursue a comprehensive review to identify these barriers. Well, they've already been identified ad nauseum. Um, then he'll work to eliminate these barriers through executive action when authorized and through legislation. Um, all right, and then he gets into some examples of the stuff. Um, but once again, it's not eliminating these barriers. That's not gonna do it. Closing out here, uh, he talks about reducing violence and supporting survivors of violence. He wants to pursue evidence-based measures to root out persistent violent crime. Good. Wants to pursue it. He will counter the rise of hate crimes. Um, okay. He wants to prioritize this. This is the, so that that's more realistic and not overpromising. He wants to reinvigorate community-oriented uh, policing. Um, talks about the cops program. Uh, which hasn't been uh, funded, and um, he wants to fund it with $300 million. And the question is, all right, why has it been funded in the past? Why has it been blocked? How is it going to be different now? You're going from senator to president in a Republican Senate, so, of course, he was vice president uh, in, in that space of time. But it just it, he wants to establish a panel, you know, to scrutinize uh, equipment that's being used, uh, right? It's just it's kind of vague yeah. stuff. Um, he wants to defeat the National Rifle Association again. Because um, they were defeated once? 
I see what he says here. In the months ahead, he'll detail his plan to tackle the public health epidemic of gun violence, starting with universal ground uh, background checks and bans on assault weapons. Biden has defeated the National Rifle Association on the national stage twice before. As president, he will defeat the NRA. Why doesn't he? I don't when, know what he's when? talking about. Why doesn't he link right. to that? When and what? Uh, defeated them? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure here. Reduce violence against uh, women. He wants to work to, here he parts it, work to reauthorize and continue to strengthen the act. He'll put forward a detailed plan in the months ahead. Well, it's been months ahead, and this hasn't been updated, so. He does throw in that powerful that powerful clause as, as the original author of the Violence Against Women Act, Biden will. Uh, that's, you get some points for that. Yeah, yeah, well, and this is good stuff that he's doing here. He doesn't link to the, to the act, which he should do. Um, and this, this couple of times here, he's promised to put more uh, details forward. We'll have to take a look at those when they come out. And then uh, wants to support survivors of violence, communities experience of violence, and first responders. Um, he wants to fund a demonstration project uh, to help with non-traditional approaches to healing trauma. That's good. It's a good start. He'll direct uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to do a comprehensive review Okay, and then presumably he'll act on those. He doesn't say that, but I guess you can assume that. And then he wants to work to raise the funding cap for Victims of Crime Act programs and provide uh, more financial support. Well, okay, it's good that he wants to do this stuff. You put together the first the three things that he wants to do, and uh, it's true that, he, that that will increase support, and it's true that it will have an impact. This particular place here, he doesn't overpromise. Right. He's promising more realistically, and he could do better, I think, by looking at the way this is developed here and applying that to some of the other, some of the other bullets. So that's about it uh, for him. Much briefer than the other. I others. learned in in middle school that when you're writing a document, you got to give your introduction, a little bit about your thesis, and then uh, and then talk about what you want to talk about, and then give a conclusion where you wrap, sort of wrap things up. And he's just sort of left us off at this last bullet point and hasn't tried to tie anything together at the end here. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think this is, uh, I, I put this in, out of the three that we've looked at, third in line uh, for all the reasons we discussed. Um, so um, let's look ahead. Where you want to go next? We've got uh, Kamala Harris. We've got uh, Cory Booker. we look at either one of those yeah. or anybody else. Yeah, you want. Uh, I think Harris is, is the one that I'm most in, intrigued by given her prosecutorial background. Yeah, well, and she's in fourth place in most polls, a distant uh, fourth. So let's take a look at hers next. Okay. Always good to All talk right. to you. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've just heard, you can support us by telling a friend or sharing us on social media. All of our episodes can be found on our website, seekjustice.fm. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we can be reached at seekjusticefm at gmail.com or via our Twitter account, at SeekJusticeFM. See you next week.